Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Warning. Guests of the Roy Green Show may experience the truth. Being in the hot seat, and in some cases, crying. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. The question that I've been asked a couple of times, particularly over the last few weeks, has been, why do you care? Why do you care about chronic pain patients? Why do you care about it? Well, uh, I guess it's really simple. Because you're being treated extremely badly. Because you've become victims of a government agenda. Because... You're a target of convenience because you haven't fought back. You have not fought back. Now, I've talked to doctors. You've heard them on this program. Recognized senior physicians in this country about the pain issue. One of those doctors told us that about one out of five Canadians is a chronic pain patient. Of those one out of five, I think it was somewhere about five to 10% are suicide risks because of their pain. Now, I'll tell you that if I look at the emails that I've received and the phone calls that I've made in follow-ups to emails, that's a much higher than five to 10% when suicide is mentioned. So I talked about this, and we've defended the, uh, the patients when we've challenged the governments and attacked the governments, particularly when you have the federal government and the Ontario government having a summit on opioids, and then the only, and it's all about stakeholders, the only stakeholders who were not invited to attend were the pain patients and their doctors. They were told, you can watch on a webcam. No agenda, huh? No. Doesn't sound like it, does it? So I guess the heat from the studio started to bother Ottawa, and I know they're listening now. And I received a tweet and an email from a very nice guy. He's the press secretary to the Federal Minister of Health. And we talked, and uh, he said the minister was interested in coming on the show, and, and you know how that developed. And so yesterday I had the opportunity to speak with the Federal Minister of Health, who's also a doctor. A medical doctor, Dr. Jane Philpott. And I want you to listen. I'm going to play it again for you. I want you to listen to this interview. Because this is about Canadians who have been had their finger pointed at them. 
who have essentially been accused of being a problem, becoming addicts because of their opioid medication, without very much being said about how opioids are the only medication which provides assistance for many of these Canadians to get through their day without horrendous pain and allow them to live a reasonable life. That's what the healthcare system is for, isn't it? So have a listen to the interview, and then at the end of the interview, I read an email to the minister, and when the interview's over, I'll be talking to the 38-year-old woman who wrote that email. Here's how the interview went. Dr. Philpott, why is all the talk from governments about painkillers instead of pain? You do know that people who take painkillers, people who take opioids, do it just to make life tolerable. Well, I think that's a fantastic point, and uh, I think you're absolutely right that uh, uh, it's a fair point that the conversation needs to be around the pain and recognizing that when people do take uh, substances that uh, are used for controlling pain, it's because they have pain, sometimes uh, physical, sometimes psychological, but uh, the pain is uh, certainly should be a central theme to this conversation. So then why is all the talk about the painkillers instead of the pain? Well, I, you know, I think it depends who you talk to. I, I, I think this is a, an issue that has a whole range of perspectives on it and, and views, and I certainly uh, try to encourage people to uh, not oversimplify it and not, uh, not see that uh, there's any one single story to uh, the issue of the fact that uh, we have uh, an overdose uh, epidemic in this country. But uh, you're absolutely right that part of the conversation has to be around the fact that uh, people uh, have pain and that they, if, if they do, that they deserve to get care for that pain. Minister, when the uh, death by opioid overdose numbers are announced, do these numbers refer to non-chronic pain drug addicts using unregulated drugs purchased from criminal drug dealers, or do the numbers of deaths by opioid refer exclusively to deaths of chronic pain patients taking their opioid prescription medications as directed by a doctor? Well, that is a fantastic question because, in fact, that is one of the challenges that we're facing. And uh, one of my own frustrations with, uh, with the issue is that we haven't managed to separate the varying scenarios well in the numbers. And it actually uh, varies somewhat from province to province in terms of how those numbers are reported. So we have a lot of work to do in that area. One thing that I've done is asked the Public Health Agency of Canada to do an epidemiological analysis of the deaths over the last uh, year or so and look at those very questions because I think uh, we have to understand that, in fact, there are, uh, as I say, a whole bunch of individual stories and sometimes people are dying because they've bought illicit drugs in the street that are laced with very strong opioids. Uh, and then there are also people who, uh, you know, uh, sometimes elderly patients who have uh, taken a, a, a bit more of a medication than they ought to have or had a drug interaction with a, a pain medication that they were taking under the prescription or under the direction of a physician. So we need to break that down to get a better understanding. What percentage of chronic pain patients who are prescribed opioids to make their lives tolerable become addicted? And I think by this time we deserve a hard number. Well, I'm afraid that we don't have a hard number on that at this point. And uh, this is one of the reasons why there's a lot more work that needs to be done in research. 
and um, clarifying definitions of what dependence is because uh, we know that sometimes people are physically dependent. That can be different from being psychologically dependent. Um, but we do need to recognize that while uh, opioids are an incredibly important class of medications and absolutely need to be available uh, for appropriate use, uh, particularly with people uh, with uh, for example, cancer-related pain and in, in appropriate circumstances, chronic pain, we have to recognize that they do have addictive potential and that there are harm, potential harms associated with them, and so they need to be used uh, appropriately, and we need to make sure that uh, we enjoy their benefits uh, without undue, uh, undue harm being um, done to, to Canadians who uh, take these medications. What are pain patients addicted to? Uh, can I, you want to know what particular? Yeah, I'd like to. Know, you tell me. You tell me, please, and tell my listeners, and which includes chronic pain patients, one of whom will be joining me shortly. What are pain patients addicted to? Well, I think you are asking a question that is trying to uh, to describe the fact that there's a, a single or simple story, and I think that there. Uh, I, I don't want to oversimplify. Uh, well, Minister, with, with, with due respect, I don't think you've answered any of my questions yet. Well, feel free to ask me another question then, and I'll see if I can satisfy you. Um, I'll tell you what pain patients are addicted to. They're addicted to getting rid of their pain. And if they take opioids and it works for them, what's the problem? And if they take the opioids for the rest of their lives, what's the problem? Well, I absolutely agree with you that every person who has a health condition deserves to get access to appropriate care for that condition. And so when people do have chronic pain, they absolutely deserve care. They deserve uh, a, a, a proper assessment and an awareness of the whole range of treatments that uh, should be available to people with chronic pain and in appropriate circumstances. That may include opioids, but it has to be done uh, with a recognition of the fact that there are potential harms, and one cannot deny the fact that uh, we are dealing with circumstances where people do die, and they do also have other harms associated with uh, the use of opioids, which can sometimes cause uh, delirium and confusion if used inappropriately. So, um, you know, people uh, need to be treated on a thing, on a case-by-case -case basis by uh, a well-informed uh, care provider who will make sure that they, they get benefit of the treatments that they're receiving and that we avoid any unnecessary harms. And they are being treated by health care professionals, by their family doctors, who with the patient come up with a treatment regimen. You know this better than I. You're a doctor. They come mm -hmm. up with a treatment regimen that works for them. And if that happens to be opioids, then why, for goodness sake, not leave them alone? Why are doctors suddenly, and I've talked to doctors who've told me this, uh, they want, don't want their names publicized because, frankly, they're afraid. Why are doctors suddenly finding themselves overruled and feel that if they have a patient, they're providing more than 90 milligrams of opioids to on a daily basis, they're going to be in trouble? And why does a pain doctor tell me if I have more than six patients or I prescribe more than 90 milligrams to, which they require, I'm going to be on a watch list? And Roy, frankly, I can't afford that because it took me 12 years to get my medical license and I can't afford to lose it. And I feel threatened by the government. I feel threatened by this agenda, this anti-opioid agenda. This is what doctors have told me, Dr. Philpott, I'm not making it up. 
Okay, well, I, I certainly acknowledge that you may be told that, and obviously, um, you know, doctors and prescribers uh, need to follow uh, both evidence-based uh, information, and they have responsibility to regulatory colleges that supervise them, but I think uh, decisions need to be made on a case-by-case -case individual basis, and there is no medication that a doctor would prescribe on an ongoing basis that they wouldn't periodically review. So whether it's a, a medication for diabetes or a medication for a low thyroid disorder, one of the realities is that doctors from time to time need to review with their patients. So time to time review with their patients, really. What is happening is patients are being told by their doctors we're going to reduce your medication. We're going to cut it down 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. In some cases, people I've spoken with, uh, like Catherine, who was on the air with us yesterday and last week, they completely took away her breakthrough medication, not even her family doctor. It was a doctor she doesn't even know who was advising or instructing her family doctor. This, this, this doctor who was doing the instructing is, is in Toronto. How is that consulting with patients? The reason I'm talking about it today and replaying this interview is that it's, an un, it's a rare opportunity to do this, to speak to the federal health minister about an issue like the opioid crisis, which is making headlines every day, and people are just frankly getting the situation wrong, and it is the pain patients who are suffering. And governments have agenda, politicians have agenda. When you come back, you'll hear more with Dr. Philpott and more about whether she agrees or not that the doctor-patient relationship should really carry the day. Don't go away. If you're looking for real-life radio, you've come to the right place. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Now let me play for you part two of the interview with the federal health minister. And we're picking up where we just left off, and that is doctors consulting with patients about their medication whether or not they should stay on the... Yeah, fair stay. enough. F fair mm -hmm. enough. Occasionally review. I understand that. I get that. I'm a heart patient. I understand that periodically my drugs are reviewed, but they're not cut back. They're not arbitrarily cut back, which is the case with non-cancer um, patients who have chronic pain in this country. It could be a million to a million and a half people, many of whom have told me, at least the ones I've talked to, that they contemplate suicide, suicide because their pain is not tolerable and suicide because they're, frankly, they're afraid. You, the first line of the Hippocratic Oath is first do no harm. Exactly. I, I, my, my sense is that these patients are being done harm and that your con governments and, and maybe regulatory agencies as well are conflating um, the, the, the chronic pain patients with the drug addict and intentionally. I believe that the, the, there is an anti-opioid um, agenda underway, and it's being fostered and fed by government attitudes, and the only people who are going to get hurt, Minister, are the patients. And if they commit suicide, how would you feel, how would you feel as a doctor if you knew that patients had taken their own lives because they couldn't live with the level of pain they had on a daily basis, and that level of pain was there because their opioids had been arbitrarily taken away from them? As a physician, how would that make you feel? Well, I will reiterate again that one of our goals is to make sure, as you said, that uh, we avoid harms. Uh, in, and but you're not avoiding harm. 
Well, You're creating you know, harm. All I am doing is trying to recognize the fact that there is a, a harm being done to people in this country associated with overdoses. But you're absolutely right. I will heartily agree with you that one needs to be extremely careful uh, in, for example, the um, following of the guidelines. And the guidelines that have recently come out are exactly that. They are not directives. They are guidelines to uh, support prescribers, and they need to be uh, they need to be used very carefully. And I yeah. heartily agree with you that nobody who is on a regular dose of opioids should be precipitously or uh, thoughtlessly uh, ha have their dose adjusted. It needs to be Why done. should it be adjusted at all? If it's working and if the person has a quality of life they don't have otherwise, why does it have to be adjusted at all? Shouldn't, your, fo shouldn't your focus be the drug mm -hmm. addict? Shouldn't your focus be the drug addict who buys on street corners? And didn't you tell the CBC that you saw some value in providing drug addicts with prescription heroin? So we look after the, the drug addict by providing prescription heroin, but we let the chronic pain patient go to Hades. That's the, that's the sense that I get, and that's the sense they get. That's their frustration. And, Minister, frankly, that is their fear, and you know that as well as I do. Well, um, you do. let me just go back. You haven't given me an opportunity to answer a couple of the questions that you brought up there. I did. And you have raised the fact that perhaps their dose doesn't need to be changed. And if between a I didn't say that. I said they're arbitrarily being changed. One well, of the the, 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 the woman I'm going to be talking to after his minister, the woman I'm going to be talking to after I talk to you, her family doctor prescribed opioids for her. There's a doctor she doesn't even know who's in Toronto. Her family doctor is conferring with, and that doctor in Toronto provided instructions to her family doctor to cut her opioids in half. He's never seen her. He's never talked to her. He's never treated her. He makes a long distance phone call essentially gives a long-distance phone call order to the family doctor, cut her off. She's now terrified. How is that practicing medicine? How is that acting responsibly? How is that providing Canadians with their Charter of Rights rights? How? How? Well, if you'll allow me to answer, I will tell you that, of course, uh, it's not my role to, uh, to uh, give comment on any specific case, uh, but I, you have raised some very good points. Yep. that people with pain need to get appropriate care. They need to be in the hands of prescribers and providers who are sensitive to their needs and who will address them appropriately and make sure that no harm is done. You know, I was a doctor. Um, I still am, but I'm not practicing now. And I can tell you that these are conversations that I would have. And I you know, again, I, I don't think it's fair to necessarily uh, paint all uh, patients nor all uh, care providers with a single brush. You've raised some incredibly important points. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, you know, going forward on a case-by-case -case basis, every patient deserves to have their health conditions treated. And often I can tell you that patients don't want to stay on any particular medication any longer than necessary, and that's not just pain medications, but uh, with any medication, it needs to be reviewed periodically. And uh, you have you're, you're raising some very important points. We'll come back with segment number three of my interview with the Federal Minister of Health. You'll hear an email from Morgan to the Shari to the minister, and then Morgan will join us. She's a chronic pain patient. Don't go away.
You get the horns. You get the horns. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I don't think there's been an interview that has specifically dealt with the chronic pain patient with the Federal Minister of Health. And remember, it was the minister's office that asked for the interview after what we'd broadcast. So we aired it yesterday. I'm playing it again today because it's important. We're talking about a million and a half people in this country, potentially, who are living with chronic pain, some of them with horrific chronic pain. One of those people is Morgan. She's 38 years of age. I want you to listen to the third segment of my interview with the health minister. And in this segment, I read to her part of an email, most of an email, that I received from Morgan. And then I asked the minister to comment on that. And then after you hear that, we will speak with Morgan. Don't turn off your radio. Listen to this. Minister, I won't ask you to comment on this. May I read you just a few lines from from an email I received? I know you're short on time. I won't take very much time. This is from a patient. I've been a chronic pain patient since 2008. I'm 38 years old now. I lost my career, my partner, and my family because of the severe pain and stigma of requiring opioids. It happened during surgery to fix an injury that was caused while I was working. Like most pain patients, I tried everything else to get better before resorting to opioids. However, CRPS... Um, chronic regional pain syndrome, also known as RSD or reflex sympathetic dystrophy, is notoriously hard to treat if you're lucky enough to have a doctor who knows what it is. I've tried physical therapy, psychological therapy, antidepressants, anticonvulsants, blood pressure medications, trigger point injections, nerve blocks, lidocaine infusions, ketamine infusions. I've attended three different living with chronic pain classes put on through various hospitals. After all that, I did a trial of opioid medications. I obtained some relief getting my pain levels under control and allowing me to live life. After two years of consistent doses and a spreading of my disease, I required a stronger dose. The doctor I had at that time decided I would do better without opioids at all. Within six months, I was bedridden and suicidal. I knew I was due to see yet another pain specialist, so I decided I would wait to see him, then make the decision whether or not I would kill myself. I would ask you to comment comment on that. Well, Well, first of all, obviously, I would have tremendous sympathy for this patient, and I hope that this person um, has been able to get the care that they need. And again, I would say it's not my role to uh, weigh in on an opinion on on a particular clinical case. But I hope that every person who was in a similar situation would find a well-informed care yeah. provider who would make sure that they got the care they Minister, need. your responsibility is to do more than hope. Your responsibility as the National Health Minister is to provide. I'll just read you the last line from that email. I'm terrified of losing my medication again. If it happens, I have two choices, suicide or street drugs. Without medication, my life is not worth living. 38-year-old woman. Minister, so- consider the patients. Remember, you're a doctor. If you were not a health minister, if you were a doctor, I would hope you have, would have a diametrically opposed view to the one you're putting forward now, which honestly sounds to me like government agenda and little else with a million to a million and a half people in this country being sacrificed. Well, I, I'm not sure that I can say anything that will entirely satisfy you. I hope that you have understood that I have tried to make it clear that every patient deserves appropriate care. And I have not said at any point today or any other day that there, uh, 
that a patient under the direction of a, of a well-informed care provider, um, it may be entirely appropriate for somebody to stay on a, an opioid for a long-term basis. That needs to be, uh, decision needs to be taken uh, on a case-by-case basis and absolutely for many patients, that is exactly what they need. Uh, and if that's the case and that decision has been made and the patient is, uh, has a good quality of life and their care provider believes that the benefits of any medication outweigh the harms of that medication, then they deserve to have that medication. Then, Minister, you need to put that into action starting tomorrow because it's not happening today. But I thank you very much for the time. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. So there is the interview with the Federal Minister of Health, and you can decide for yourself whether or not Dr. Phil Pott actually said something that has significant meaning and will carry through to tomorrow, Monday. There is no right, no right, for people who are struggling with massive pain to be denied their medication. And if those medications are opioids, give them the opioids. And if they take them for the rest of their lives, what does it matter? That's what medication is for. That's what it's for. I think some of it, maybe a lot of it, maybe all of it has to do with cost. Expensive drug, aging population. Why waste it on the old folks? Just a thought. Emails from Jim, this anti-opioid initiative is being pushed through by the Liberals, just like the anti-gun legislation was pushed through by the Liberals nearly 20 years ago. Both are knee-jerk reactions by the federal government that make the innocent pay for the crimes of the guilty, just to make it look like they're doing something to protect us. How stupid do they think we are? From Carolyn, oh my God, just listening to your interview with the health minister, how condescending is she being? You maintained grace and composure. I was screaming at the radio. I'm 44 and have been living with undiagnosed pain for almost 20 years. There is no need for this in the 21st century. I have to fight for every intervention. I am so frustrated. Thank you for being the voice of the people with pain. We're often seen as drug addicts and complainers. And uh, from uh, Diane, what a load of bollocks. She sure talks a lot without saying a damn thing. I'm just reading what I received. And I read to the minister the email from Morgan. When we come back, Morgan's going to be joining us, and you'll find out what she thinks of the minister's contributions to our conversation. She's the pain patient. If her specialist doesn't provide what she requires, is going to have to choose between suicide and going to a drug dealer. If she does either, the government wins. Stick around.